Volume Three, Chapter Five of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. Agnes receives an unexpected visitor and an important communication. She also receives a letter from Cheltenham and from her aunt Barnaby. Agnes was roused from this state of melancholy musing by a double knock at the door. Is it possible? she said, starting up, that she spoke truly and that she is already released? the street door was opened but the voice of mrs barnaby did not make its way up the stairs before her a circumstance so inevitable upon her approach that after listening for it in vain for a moment the desolate girl resumed her attitude and endeavoured to recover the train of thought that had been broken but she was not destined to do so at least for the present for the maid threw open the drawing-room door and announced a gentleman agnes as we have said was sitting in darkness and the girl very judiciously placed her slender tallow candle and its tin receptacle on the table saying as she set a chair for the gentleman i will bring candles in a minute miss and then departed agnes raised her eyes as the visitor approached and had the light been feebler still she would have found no difficulty in discovering that it was colonel hubert who stood before her he bowed to the angle of the most profound respect and though he ventured to extend his hand in friendly greeting he took hers with the air of a courtier permitted to offer homage to a sovereign princess agnes stood up she received his offered hand and raised her eyes to his face but uttered no word either of surprise or joy her face was colourless and traces of very recent tears were plainly visible she trembled from head to foot and colonel hubert frightened as a brave man always is when he sees a woman really sinking under her sex's weakness replaced her on the sofa almost as incapable of speaking as herself do not appear distressed at seeing me dearest miss willoughby said he or i shall be obliged to repent having ventured to wait on you i should not have presumed to do this had not your friends your truly attached friends my aunt and sister authorized my doing so oh what kindness exclaimed poor agnes bursting into a flood of most salutary tears do not think me ungrateful colonel hubert if i could not say if i did not speak to you do you indeed come to me from lady elizabeth here are my credentials he replied smiling and presenting a letter to her we learned that your foolish aunt forgive me miss willoughby but the step i have taken can only be excused by explaining it with the most frank sincerity we learned that mrs barnaby having quitted cheltenham suddenly the ostensible reason for doing which was bad enough had left a variety of debts unpaid and that her creditors alarmed at her not returning were taking active measures to secure her person is this true is your aunt arrested she is replied agnes faintly good god you are here then entirely alone i am quite alone was the answer though it was almost lost in the sob that accompanied it oh dearest agnes cried colonel hubert in a burst of uncontrollable emotion i cannot see you thus and longer retain the secret that has been hidden in my heart almost from the first hour i saw you i love you agnes beyond all else on earth consent to be my wife and danger and desertion shall never come near you more what a moment was this to hear such an avowal human life can scarcely offer extremes more strongly marked of weal and woe than those presented by the actual position of agnes and that proposed to her by the man she idolized but let de la rochefoucauld say what he will there are natures capable of feeling something nobler than the love of self and after one moment of happy triumphant swelling of the heart that left no breath to speak 
she heaved a long deep sigh that seemed to bring her back from her momentary glimpse of an earthly paradise to things as they are and said slowly but with great distinctness no never will i be your wife never by my consent shall colonel hubert ally himself to disgrace had this been said to a younger man it is probable that he would not have found in it anything calculated to give a mortal wound to his hopes and wishes but it fell with appalling coldness on the heart of the brave soldier who had long kept cupid at defiance by the shield of mars and who had just made the first proposal of marriage that had ever passed his lips it was her age and his own that rose before him as she uttered her melancholy no never and agnes became almost the first object to whom he had ever even for a moment been unjust he gave her no credit no not the least for the noble struggle that was breaking her heart and meant most sincerely what he said when he replied forgive me miss willoughby had i been a younger man the offer of my hand my heart my life would not have appeared to you as it doubtless must do now the result of sober staid benevolence desirous of preserving youthful innocence from unmerited sorrow such must my love seem so let it seem but it shall never cost one hour's pain to you he was silent for a moment and had to struggle brave man as he was against feelings whose strength perhaps only showed his weakness but even so he added making a strong effort to speak steadily even so let me not be here in vain listen to me as a friend and father poor agnes this was a hard trial to save him worshipped as he was from a marriage that must be considered as degrading she could have sacrificed herself with the triumphant courage of a proud martyr but to leave him with the idea that she was too young to love him to let that glowing generous heart sink back upon itself because it found no answering warmth in her in her who would have died only to purchase the light of owning that she never did and never could love any man but him it was too terrible and the words hubert beloved hubert were on her lips but they came no farther for she had not strength to speak them another effort might have been more successful and they or something like them might have found way had not the gentleman recovered his voice first and resumed the conversation in a tone so chillingly reserved that the timid broken-spirited girl had no strength left to prick the sides of her intent and lay her innocent heart open before him in the name of lady elizabeth norris let me entreat you miss willoughby not to remain in a situation so every way objectionable he said my aunt and sister both are full of painful anxiety on your account and the letter i have brought contains their earnest entreaties that you should immediately take up your residence with my aunt do not refuse this from any fear of embarrassment of persecution from me i shall probably go abroad i shall probably join my friend frederick at paris he did you great justice miss willoughby and but for me perhaps forgive me i will no longer intrude on you forgive me tell me you forgive me for all the pain i have caused you and for more injury perhaps than you will ever know i never knew how weak i fear i should say how unworthy my character might become till i knew you and to complete the hateful retrospect he added with bitterness and rising to go to complete the picture of myself that i have henceforth to contemplate i was coxcomb enough to fancy but i am acting in a way that i should scorn a youth for who numbered half my years answer my aunt's letter miss willoughby answer it as if her contemptible nephew did not exist he shall exist no longer where he can mar your fortune or disturb your peace 
agnes looked at him as if her heart would break at hearing words so harsh and angry when losing at once all sense of his own suffering colonel hubert reseated himself and in the gentlest accent of friendship alluded to the propriety of her immediately leaving london and to the anxiety of her friends at cheltenham to receive her they are very very good to me said agnes meekly and i shall be most thankful colonel hubert to avail myself of such precious kindness if the old aunt to whom i have written in devonshire should refuse to save me from the necessity of being a burden on their benevolence but shall you wait for this decision here miss willoughby i have promised to do so replied agnes and as i may have an answer here on thursday i think at latest i would not risk the danger of offending her by putting it out of my power immediately to obey her commands if she should be so kind as to give me any the eyes of agnes were fixed for a moment on his as she concluded this speech and there was something in the expression of that look that shook the sternness of his belief in her indifference he rose again and making a step towards her said with a violence of emotion that entirely changed the tone of his voice agnes miss willoughby answer me one question should my aunt herself plead for me could you would you be my wife agnes equally terrified lest she should say too little or too much faltered as she replied if it were possible colonel hubert could i indeed believe that your aunt your sister would not hate and scorn me you might you will let me believe it possible you could be brought to love me to love me agnes no do not answer me do not commit yourself by a single word stay then here but do not leave the house stay till yet alas i dare not promise it but you will not leave this house miss willoughby with any aunt without letting me my family know where you may be found oh no said agnes with a reviving hope that if they must be parted which this reference to her aunt and his own doubtful words made it but too probable would be the end of all at least it would not be because he thought she was too young to love him oh no she repeated this letter will not be left without an answer and you will not stir from these rooms alone he replied once more taking her hand not if you think it best she answered frankly giving hers and with a smile moreover that ought to have set his heart at ease about her thinking him too old to love and for the moment perhaps it did so for he ventured to press a kiss upon that hand and uttering a fervent heaven bless and guard you disappeared and agnes then sat down to muse again but what a change had now come o'er the spirit of her dream where was her abject misery where the desolation that had made her almost fear to look around and see how frightfully alone she was her bell was rung her candles brought her tea was served and though there was a fullness and palpitation at the heart which prevented her taking it or eating the bread and butter good-naturedly intended to atone for her untasted dinner quite in the tranquil satisfactory and persevering manner that might have been wished everything seemed to dance before her eyes on couleur de rose till at last giving up the attempt to sit soberly at the tea-table she rose from her chair clasped her hands with a look of grateful ecstasy to heaven and exclaimed aloud he loves me hubert loves me oh happy happy agnes did you call miss said the maid entering from having heard her voice as she passed up the stairs agnes looked at her and laughed no susan she replied i believe i was talking to myself well that is funny said the girl and i'm sure it is a pity such a young lady as you should have no one else to talk to shall i take the things away miss once more left to herself agnes set about reading the letter which hitherto had lain untouched upon the table blushing as she opened it now because it had not been opened before 
the first page was from lady elizabeth and only expressed her commands given in her usual peremptory tone but nevertheless mixed with much kindness that agnes should leave london with as little delay as possible and consider her house as her home till such time as an eligible situation could be found in which her own excellent talents might furnish her with a safer and more desirable manner of existence than any her aunt barnaby could offer the remainder of the letter was filled by lady stephenson and expressed the most affectionate anxiety for her welfare but she too referred to the hope of being able to find some situation that should render her independent so it was sufficiently evident that neither of them as yet had any idea that this independence might be the gift of colonel hubert it is nonsense to suppose they will ever consent to it thought agnes and this time her spirits were not so exalted as to make her breathe her thoughts aloud but i never can be so miserable again as i have been it is enough happiness for any one person in this life that everybody says is not a happy one it is quite enough to know that hubert loves me oh hubert noble hubert how did i dare to fix my fancy on thee presumptuous but yet he loves me and with this balm acting like a gentle opiate upon her exhausted spirits she slept all night and dreamed of hubert the four o'clock delivery of the post on the following day brought her this letter from her aunt barnaby dear agnes the brutality of these cheltenham people is perfectly inconceivable mr creighton my broker and my poor father's broker before me came to me as early as it was possible last night and i explained to him fully and without a shadow of reserve the foolish scrape i had got into which would have been no scrape at all if i had not happened to fall into the hands of a parcel of rascals he undertook to get the sum necessary to release me by eleven o'clock this morning which he did good man with the greatest punctuality paid that villainous simmons got his receipt and my discharge when just at the very moment when i was stepping into the coach that was to take me from this hateful place up came the same two identical fellows that insulted us in half moon street and arrest me again at the suit of right such nonsense as if i could not pay them all ten times over as easy as buy a pot of porter but they care no more for reason than a pig in a sty so here i am shut up again until that dear old man creighton can come and get through all the same tedious work again you can't conceive how miserably dull i am and what's particularly provoking i gave order trying to have you with me as soon as old creighton told me i should be out by noon to-day and therefore agnes i want you to set off the very minute you receive this and come to me for a visit you may come to me for a visit though i can't have you in without special leave mind not to lose your way but it's uncommonly easy if you will only go by what i say set out the same way that we went to the church you know and keep on till you get to the haymarket which you will know by its being written up then when you've got down to the bottom of it turn sharp round to your left and just ask your way to the strand and when you have got there which you will in a minute walk on 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 till you come to the bottom of a steep hill and then stop and ask someone to show you the way to the fleet prison when you get there any one of the turnkeys will be able to show you to my room and a comfort i'm sure it will be to see you in such a place as this and do agnes buy as you come along half a dozen cheesecakes and half a dozen queen cakes and a small jar for about four or five shillings of brandy cherries and what's a great comfort i may keep you till it's dark which is what they call shutting up time and then you can easy enough find your way back again by the gaslight which is ten times more beautiful than day all along the streets from one end of the town to the other only think of that dirty scoundrel morrison never coming near me 
after all that passed too and all the wine he drank shabby fellow there is one very elegant-looking man here that i meet in the passage every time i go to my bedroom he always bows but we have not spoken yet bring five sovereigns with you and be sure set off the moment you get this your affectionate aunt martha barnaby it needs not to say the sort of effect which the tone of this letter produced on a mind in itself delicate and unsunned as the bells of the valley lily and filled to overflowing with the image of the noble hubert yet there were other feelings that mingled with this deep disgust she pitied her aunt barnaby and could any decent or womanly exertion have done her good or even pleasure she would not have shrunk from making it but what she asked was beyond her power to perform and moreover she had promised colonel hubert not to leave the house how dear to her was the recollection of this injunction how delightful the idea that his care and his commands protected her from the horrors of such a progress as that sketched out by her aunt barnaby to obey her was therefore altogether out of the question but she sat down to write to her and endeavoured to soften her refusal by pleading her terror of the streets at any hour and her total want of strength and courage to undertake such an expedition adding that she supposed by her account there could be no doubt of their meeting in half moon street on the morrow but the morrow and its morrow came without bringing mrs barnaby in fact writ after writ had poured in upon her but hoping still to evade those yet to come she only furnished herself with what each one required and so prolonged her imprisonment to the end of the week her indignation at agnes's refusal to come to her was excessive and she answered her letter by a vehement declaration that she would never again inhabit the same house with her this last epistle ended thus if you don't wish to be turned at neck and heels into the street the moment i return look out for a nursery-maid's or a kitchen-maid's place if you will only take care never to let me set eyes upon you again ungrateful wretch what is morrison's ingratitude to yours for nearly seven months you have eaten at my cost been lodged at my cost travelled at my cost ay and been clothed at my cost too and what is the return i am in prison for debts which of course were incurred as much for you as for myself and you refuse to come to me never let me see you more never let me hear your name and never again turn your thoughts or hopes to your forever offended aunt martha barnaby little as agnes wished to continue under the protection of mrs barnaby this peremptory dismissal was exceedingly embarrassing she had declined immediately accepting the invitation of lady elizabeth in a manner that made her very averse to throwing herself upon it till a positive refusal of assistance from her aunt compton obliged her to do so and being absolutely penniless excepting inasmuch as she was entrusted with the key that secured the widow's small stock of ready money her only mode of not undergoing to the letter the sentence which condemned her to wander in the streets was remaining where she was till she received an answer from miss compton it is certain that she submitted to thus seizing upon hospitality with the strong hand the more readily as by doing so she was unable to obey the parting injunction of colonel hubert and bracing her courage to the meeting that must take place should mrs barnaby's release precede her own she suffered the heavy interval of doubt to steal away with as little of the feverish restlessness of impatience as possible End of chapter five